0: Been all-star weeks or have been done talks games in a bit. We still have some we want
1: to, to talk about here. My name is Tyler, and I'm joined as my three co-hosts,
0: Wally. The
2: All-Star Game sucked. Yes! Yeah! Uh Nick! <laughs> I know the All-Star Game took place in Florida and it's a retirement state. It made it feel like a retirement game. Yeah,
0: fair, fair enough, fair enough. And John.
3: The ice hogs are good again.
0: Yes, they are. And we'll get into the ice hogs in a little bit, but we have a great lineup of things we want to talk about. We also have, Wally and myself are going to discuss our prospect pyramids later in the show, as well as the Rockford Report. But first, let's talk about the All-Star, um. The All-Star game that happened, um. It was an absolute nightmare. And um, I want to start with a couple of things that are things that I noticed over the course of the thing. So, I didn't get to see the skills competition, but I did see the all-star game. So I want to start with the game itself, because obviously the whole point of an all-star festivity is that it's about the game itself. And that is the most lifeless, boring, nobody cares especially the people who are broadcasting it I've ever seen
2: there were empty seats in the arena for a reason the all-star game is the boring part of all-star weekend the players t- don't want to pl- be there let's be honest they don't they would rather be on the beach and just relaxing when it's a bye week where it's an all-star week the all-star game was the largest snooze fest to any type of professional sports game. Any All-Star game is going to be a snooze fest when it comes to play. You're not going to get any af- like any form of high-paced energy. And this is what you see on the ice each year during the All-Star game.
0: The only redeemable quality about the All-Star game this year was the Kachuks. Honestly, the only thing that was yeah. good about the All-Star Game you know, this year was Matthew and Brady playing together and doing well. Yeah. Um, but I, I wrote down some notes over the course of when I, the, first, the first game, which was the uh, Pacific the uh, Central game. I really stopped paying attention after that because it just didn't get much better. But um, So the first thing I, mentioned, I noticed is the commentators didn't care. They didn't sound like they cared. They didn't even pretend to care. When someone scores, you should, it's not that you want, you shouldn't want them to be like, Oh, I'm an unbiased neutral. No, you should be biased for everyone. You should be a home commentator for literally everyone who scores, not a angry visitors commentator for everyone who scores.
1: Yeah, and the skills competitions too. Like I thought, the announcing and whatever they um, had—I guess you would call it ringside—but it wasn't really ringside. I thought that was pretty, pretty bad too.
0: Like the amount of effort and preparation you're supposed to do as an announcer before those things is um, is absolutely amazing and incredible and really difficult. And I don't know if people really quite understand what goes into the prep work for announcing a game. And it doesn't seem like that ever really happened for these things. Um, Also, I want to mention, there was an offside review. There was an offside review during the All-Star game. game. Are we
2: serious? And there was a um, penalty shot in the All-Star game as well. I mean,
0: that was cool, but that actually brings me to my next point all the best stars in the league on the ice at once. And there wasn't any opportunity for any of them to play on a power play. Why can't, if if we're not gonna call penalties during an all-star game, because okay, we're not gonna have penalties during an all-star game, maybe, just maybe, here's a thought. What if we structure into the schedule of the game power play time for each team? Limitless power play time.
2: In my opinion, just get rid of the damn All-Star game from point blank. The game never plays well, Ah. and it's a garbage... I mean, that is an option. There is
0: the giving up option. I don't think it's completely out of the blue. I honestly think the NHL might just do it, because it's very clear that this isn't really helping anyone. I don't think it's talking to anyone. No one cares about Not it. Not a single person cares. Um, the only
2: people who wanted stuff from it is the people who wanted the jerseys. I and freaking the jerseys it because... were
0: horrible because they clashed. Yeah.
2: They
0: clashed.
2: Yeah, And you could tell the players had a hard time even making passes to one another. They looked exactly alike.
1: They probably didn't care.
0: There was no... Like, it was a light jersey against a light jersey. We are playing on a white surface. A bright white surface, and both the jerseys are very light. And the style, extremely similar. So the colors are similar, the style is similar. How difficult really, when, when you're skating at like 20 miles an hour, is it really that easy to tell the difference between a bright neon green and a very pure white it was a very pale yep. neon green it's Miami it's Miami Vice yeah. that, that thing, that color right there that Nick is wearing because Nick is wearing the Seth Jones uh, all-star jersey that thing considering all the other elements of the jersey is not that hard to mix up with
2: white. But Tyler, did you find yourself falling asleep while watching the game? I have to ask. Well, considering the fact that I woke
0: up at 6.30 this morning to watch soccer, yes.
2: <laughs> I fell asleep in the second portion of the game, I will admit it, because it was
0: so boring. Yeah, no, the game was bad. Um, I honestly think that we just that if we're not gonna scrap it, which I think is an option, there's only one other choice. And it's to go back to the five on five system, the all-star draft system, the thing that we did before yes. the NBA. We did it first. Yes. We did it first. And the NHL gave up on it for no reason.
2: And then you have a player like Phil Kessel being the last pick in a draft.
0: And that was got a car. Yeah.
2: Then Ovechkin wanted to be the last player. He was begging to be the last player so he could have
0: a new car. That was fantastic. That he begged to was be great. the last.
2: I know Ovechkin begged to be the last player so he can get the car to donate it to some kid. Uh, he didn't get the last pick, the, but Honda still gave him a freaking mm-hmm. car. And then there was, the,
0: there, there was the year where during the draft, Phil Kessel was traded straight up for Tyler Sagan. Which yeah. was fantastic because, like, life-imitating, that. Uh, fiction-imitating reality, I guess. Yep. Um, but then, okay, a couple more things. Um, there were barely any defensemen on the rosters. Um, there was one defenseman on the Pacific roster and three on the Central rosters. So between the entire Western Conference, you had four goalies and four defensemen. Talk about Balance. Uh-huh.
2: There was also uh, the fact the Central Division had the most defensemen in the All Star game out of any division because a total of six defensemen made it to the All Star game.
0: Three, yeah, three defensemen on that division. Each other Division had one. We're supposed to play hockey. Oh, Antonio, you started. Three on three is not hockey. We need to stop pretending that 3-on-3 no. is actually hockey. Okay, there is it's so tr- much that can be created and set up during a hockey game that just cannot exist during 3-on-3 three three hockey. The strategy goes completely out the window. It's basically just like, just like, pond hockey.
2: Here's what I will say. The way the NHL tries to view the three-on-three all-star format—it's a disgrace to hockey. <laughs> there it is. There
0: you go. I had to.
1: I feel like I feel like you say that term at I least had once. Once.
0: At this point, but what I'll say is that I wouldn't even call it a disgrace to hockey. It's just like it's just forgotten. It just it's just—it's an abandoned, lost puppy part of hockey.
2: I will say this. I'm okay with three on three in regular season play for overtime, but a full 60 minutes of play would be stupid. Exactly how they do this all star game, which that's the most newsworthy hockey I've ever watched.
0: Yeah. And I think that the whole thing with the divisions for us is that it's supposed to create some sort of like competition advantages or something, which I don't understand. And, you know the reason I know that the players still don't care? Did you see, like, any celebrating? No. Did anyone celebrate when they scored? Was no. anyone happy when they scored?
2: The last time I think I've seen a player celebrate while scoring in an All-Star game had to have been John Scott.
0: Oh, yeah, John Scott. And John Scott was, like, one of the best stories, and they basically said, Yeah, this is never happening again. Oh, oh! all these people wanting to watch our All-Star Games? Yeah, that can never happen again. The other thing I want to mention is in terms of the skills competition. Because I used to love the skills competition. It used to be the best part of the All-Star Weekend. But not even because the All-Star Game itself was bad. I used to enjoy that too. Maybe I was younger, maybe I just had less experience with all-star games, so I was like, this is great! But I always thought the all-star game the skills competition was fantastic, and there's a couple things I noticed remembering back to previous skills competitions that didn't exist now. One, they used to have a collection of non-all-star rookies who were at the all-star game competing in the skills competition, even though they didn't play the all-star game. The young star game. The young stars. I, I vividly remember like Ryan Eugene Hopkins in that.
2: I vividly remember Brent Seabrook playing in it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of years earlier though. So, <sighs> um, but there's no reason why the only people competing in the skills competition are all-stars. Yeah. We should be seeing the best of the best in those trades if we want to showcase the nhl in the best scenario possible how is it that for years when it was an hr versus shea weber okay is are we really out of hardest shot competitors do we really have nobody else who can blast it over 103
1: martin firk martin firk
0: why not the best the hardest shot that we've had in an all-star game in the last like five years came from the AHL all-star game like three years ago why is it that we can't have non-all-stars who are just very good at one thing go to the all-star game why can't we have some of the fastest skaters in the league or maybe some like skating agility drones beyond just being a super speed guy some agility skating drones Some some other things that are involved. Some more creativity. Some more ideas. Bring back goalie goals in the relay thing, for goodness sakes. That was so much fun. I don't know why they ever got rid of it. They they did something
2: similar with it now. Bringing back the goalie goals situation, even though the new Tindy tandem or whatever the hell they called it, it involves a goalie having to shoot it the full length of the ice into almost like how... The Blackhawks do the shoot the puck and the second intermission for fans that Santa ice shoots the puck down. They basically did that with the goalies
0: last night. So they, like that small of a catchment area? Yeah. They don't get it. They don't
1: get it. Who likes to shoot themselves in the foot?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,. I mean, sometimes they'll shoot themselves, it, they'll, sometimes they'll, they'll score a goal, and it won't even count paging uh, 2020 uh, automated screens. Oh my
2: god, I, don't get me started <laughs> on those stupid screens.
0: <laughs> Thank god those are gone, but even then, like, but I, th- we, should have, we, should, we should have accurate shooters um, who aren't ultras. They botched that!
2: They botched it! Dude! They changed the accurate shooter. It used to be the fastest time you get one shot at it. And McDavid technically went eight for eight in the entire uh, accurate shooter. Still loses it to Brock Nelson, who missed at least ten shots.
0: I didn't even see what happened, but I can already tell that doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah they changed the accurate shooter when you're going 8 for 8 compared when it should be 4 for 4 and if you're going 4 for 4 you should be the automatic winner right no they yeah. don't do that
0: anymore no yeah I know they just don't understand they, they don't get it and I don't really think that um they just get it at all um Nothing. Um, They were doing half and half overlay advertisements trying to stick them in as much as possible in between goals as if like anyone wanted those ever. Like if you're going to throw it in like find a time when it actually would fit but they were trying to cram them in there as if it would actually fit there. Yeah. Like I think that oh I think that half and Advertisements aren't
2: bad But like you gotta use them Properly Yeah The One thing I would say that was Pretty smart on the NHL Which is rare to say when it comes To the all-star game They actually use the respected Goal songs for the players that Play for their respected teams Like when Steph Jones scored you heard the Chelsea dagger but otherwise the all-star game sucked and uh the skills competition was just the most cringe-worthy thing in hockey and la- this season
0: yes yes it was and the nhl was using this perfect opportunity to talk about how fantastic their bo- their their, uh, their boards advertisements are. yeah uh i mean I- I haven't had the worst, I haven't had the biggest issue with them. I understand completely why some people do. And I can't necessarily say they're fantastic. I can't even say they're good. I just personally haven't had the biggest problem with them. I, I totally understand why many people do. Mm hmm. And with that, we are going to take a very quick little break. And when we come back, we are going to have our prospect pyramids that we are going to discuss for the Chicago Blackhawks. So stay tuned, and we will see y'all in a bit. All right, we are back. And it's time to get into our prospect pyramids. But we realized in the break something that we forgot to mention about the All-Star game. Um... The Blackhawks had a player at the All-Star game, uh, Seth Jones, and he actually did quite well.
2: A goal and two assists.
0: Yeah. Not bad for a defenseman who apparently didn't belong.
2: Granted, he's probably been one of our better players in the last
0: month or so. Ever since he was named an All-Star. Yeah. Since the announcement came that Seth Jones was an all-star, he actually started playing like an all-star. Before that, though, you can't really say that.
1: I mean, to be fair, yeah. he was also playing with Jock Johnson, then he got put with Jake The true so. all-star. There's also that. The game
2: should have been the
0: all-star. True to Jake McCabe. Yeah, but with that, we are going to get into the Blackhawks' prospect pyramids. And with that, I'm going to get into a little bit of discussion about what exactly a prospect pyramid is. So... Prospect pyramids are just a different way to organize prospects for your team in the NHL. The originator of this was the one and only Steve Dangle, um, uh, the, the king of uh, team-biased commentary on YouTube. I think that's the best way to put it. Team-biased hockey commentary on YouTube. And uh, his prospect pyramid evolved a little bit over the years, but essentially there are six tiers and you just go through and break players based on likelihood of making the NHL, likelihood of being a great player, ceiling, and like the, the, light, the, the certainty, the ceiling, all the different things that kind of mix together to um, decide just how good a prospect truly is. So with that, we are going to get into the process pyramid and start with tier one. And tier one is a collection of franchise talents that your organization might have. Genuinely superstar players who you expect to be fantastic in the NHL. Some of the best future players in the league. And Wally, do you have anyone in this tier? Nope. Yeah, I don't either. Um, we have some good players in the Blackhawks organization. We have a couple of really talented youngsters, but there aren't any players in this organization that quite reach the levels of like McDavid, Drysido, Matthews, even a Marmer, or guys like Bedard, and. I think that if you look at it, next year, it's very likely we will have someone in Tier 1 because I think that each of the top four in this upcoming class are Tier 1 prospects. That would be Bedard, Bantilli, Carlson, and Mitch Carl. I think all of them are Tier 1s. Okay. So we might actually have a Tier 1 next year for the first time in like a long time. I think it'll be the first time since Patrick Kane, honestly. Okay. All right, moving into Tier 2, though. And how many players do you have in Tier 2, Wally?
1: Three.
0: And I have three as well, and I'm guessing that they are the same three.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah so
0: it's the, it's the obvious three. We'll start with the first guy who's the only defenseman in this tier, Kevin Korchinski.
1: So Korczynski currently leads all WHL defensemen in uh, points per game with 1.44. Um, he has six goals, 40 assists, and 32 games. Um, he's ahead of other top prospects in points per game, um, like Olin Zellweger and uh, Denton Mottichuk. Um And over the past 15 years in the WHL, uh, there has not been a defenseman that has gone over um, 1.44 points per game. Uh, the closest one was Zellweger last year, actually, with 1.41. Um, so Korchinski's kind of in uncharted territory right now. Um, so just a little bit more about uh, Korchinski's elite skater, uh, makes plays, high-end puck skills. Um, he's just really good, really good.
0: Yeah, he's extremely talented. He's the best prospect that we have. We already, we already gushed over him a lot during uh, the preseason because he was so impressive there. We talked about him a lot during the um, World Juniors. He played well for Canada there, even though they didn't really give him any opportunities, like at all. Um, But that is everything we have to say about Kevin Gorczynski. Let's go on to the next guy who is actually yet to play a game at any level so far this season, Frank Mazur.
1: So, yeah, as Tyler said, uh, he hasn't played. Um, all year due to a hip injury which was revealed by Ben Pope. Um, he's back skating with Michigan which is good to see. Um, he might see games this year we don't know um, and he's likely to return back to college which I think is a good idea for his development. Um, much like Korchinski he's a great skater. Um, he competes very hard, uh, high-end hockey sense and he's a dual threat so both a capable passer and shooter. Yeah.
0: And you saw with the first three picks the Blackhawks made this year, the, um, the trend where all of them are offensive threats, great skaters. Even though you pick two defensemen, Renzel, Korchinski, Nazer, all of them, great skaters with high offensive threat. That's what the Hawks seem to want. They want to seem to hit on as much upside as possible with their top picks. And then they went for some more high floor guys, With their later picks. And with that, we're going to get into the only guy in Tier 2 who wasn't drafted in 2022. uh, AHL All-Star Lucas Reichel. And I'm going to have uh, Wally and John tag team on this one. Because John's able to help us out because he watches Lucas Reichel plenty.
3: I do. Um... What What is it to say that we haven't said about Lucas Reichel already? He is a great passer. He's a great shooter. Um, I mean, we've already said everything there needs to be said on Lucas
0: Reichel. He's played in the NHL so far this season, yeah.
3: He's played great in the NHL, yep. He had a great three-game stretch. He's playing okay right now in the AHL, but he's overall, he's been good this season.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um... Maybe some concerns about a recent cold streak or so in the AHL, but I think that now that we're reaching the AHL All-Star game, those concerns might be less so. I still think that in the end, we're going to get a very valuable first-slash-second line winger out of Lucas Reichel. Maybe a quality guy who can play in the center or wing for Frank Mazur. And then Kevin Korchinski I have really high hopes for Korchinski. He's a guy
3: who I think... We all shut down. He's
0: a guy who I think, honestly, could be a number one defenseman. When all things are said. And done. I really do. I mean, sure, I mean, it's a very high bar, but I'm just so impressed by what I've seen from every time place. Now, does anyone here have any objections to any of these guys being in Tier 2 or anyone not being in Tier 2? No. Nope.
3: I think Ooh. it's... I will question you guys if there's not a certain person in Tier 3, but we can get to that.
0: Alright, Tier 3, and we're going to start with the first guy for me in Tier 3. That's Isaac Phillips.
3: Okay, we're cool, we're cool.
0: Isaac Phillips is, for me, the fourth best prospect the Chicago Blackhawks have. And that's a really difficult thing to say for a guy who was a fourth-round pick only two years ago. Fifth-round pick, actually. Fifth-round pick only two years ago.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy how fast he's kind of developed. Uh, great pick by the, by the Blackhawks, great scouting there. Um, yeah, he, he split time between both the Blackhawks and the Ice Hawks this year, and I think he's looked great with both of them. Um, he's a big two-way defenseman. I think he probably projects as more of a defensive guy at the NHL level. Um, good, good skater, and he's very athletic, too. Um, and he's been great this year for Rockford especially.
3: Second-best AHL defenseman. Or tied for first, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, he's played really well. Um, again, the IceHogs were struggling for a little bit since Reichel and Phillips got sent back back down. It seems like they're figuring it out a little bit, so we'll see how everyone feels after the AHL All-Star game and everyone starts to kind of kick it back into high gear, heading into the you know, final stretch of the season, AHL playoffs and everything. Pushing for, that, for those AHL playoffs. I feel confident confident that the Ice Hogs are going to make the playoffs, especially considering how expanded the playoffs are in the AHL. Hey, to see, weird. to see how far they will go is the real question. Next, we're going to move into the two goalies at the Charlotte Blackhawks have. That's Arvid Soderblom and Drew Kamesa. Now, Arvid Soderblom, to put it very simply, Has been incredibly streaky at the AHL level this year, and has had a very long cold streak that seems to be fixing itself.
3: It is um, three straight games where he's given up two goals or less, or actually, he's only given up two goals in the last three games, and he's yeah. So he's he's getting out of his cold streak. Um, he's putting to, he's putting together some good games where he only allows two goals and and not all those goals were his on him, so that's good to see. Um, he talked about in an interview recently where he said he's feeling more confident, and it's just good to see.
1: You know, yeah, last four games uh, he has a record of three 0 one, one, a nine thirty save percentage, and. Um, Two point oh nine goals against average. So yes. he's been very good as of late.
0: Now over the course, uh, let's also talk about Kmeso as well. So yeah, Camesso, yeah, um He's been fairly consistent in terms of his numbers at the um, at the NCAA level for Boston University. However, considering that he didn't start the year that great, back in the fact that his safety is up to a nine oh nine right now is actually quite impressive.
1: Yeah, he had a few rough games, especially I think I think he was a Mich- against Michigan where he gave up like six or yeah, seven. It, um, seven. Then he had a ga- Yeah, Boston College. They both he gave up like six or seven goals in those games. Um, he's been kind of inconsistent this year. He's either been like really good or really bad. Um, I don't have Camesso in tier three personally, but I see I, I can oh, understand why oh, you put really? him in tier three. Yeah, he's, he was the last player. Oh, interesting.
0: Okay. Well, I am going to display my next three for Tier 3, because there are nine players I have in Tier 3. Next three guys for me, Ethan Del Mastro, then Ryan Green, and then Alex Glassic. Do we have any objections here? I, would, uh,
3: I don't have an obje- objection, because I don't know as much about these guys as you do, but I did not expect Ryan Green to be up this high.
0: Ryan Green, for me, has had an absolutely fantastic season for uh, Boston University. He's got 22 points in 24 games for them. That's good. And the thing with him that was the case when, when everything I was hearing about him last year was that the biggest concern for him was his motor, more than anything. Like, when he had the puck, it was great. He just didn't do much. So to see the scoring rate as high as it is right now is fantastic. Guy almost made Team Canada as a D plus one college freshman. And he came really close to that roster. Unfortunately, he has a, uh, a 2003 birthday, so he isn't eligible for next year's team. But we are gonna talk about a prospect who I do think will, make, will be a contention for Team Canada um, in the next row and the guy who
1: just played for Team Canada, Ethan Del Mastro as well. Yeah, Del Mastro's been really good this year. Um, he's kind of been a go-to defenseman everywhere he's played this year. Um, I think he played top pair for Canada. Yeah, he was, 20. Top, he was top pair um, next to uh, next to Zelda. Um, yeah, and he's, I I believe he's been the number one for, well, he was definitely the number one for Mississauga, and I'm pretty sure he's been the number one for sarnia as well um he's fourth in uh amongst ohl defenseman in points per game um he has four goals and 29 assists in 31 games
0: and keep he's Not very physical offense,
1: no no he's very physical um strong defensive defenseman competes hard capable passer and skater um the offense probably doesn't project like amazingly at the at the pro level, but it's good to see that he's putting up points while being more of a physical defensive mm-hmm. defenseman.
0: And then Alex Lassick.
3: Um all right, so it's good to see Alex Lassick get some recognition. He's probably been, in my opinion, probably top three defenseman this year for us, just us alone. Um he's been uh great on the body being physical in the in the corners where there's a lot of puck battles going on and board battles. Um, he's stopping a lot of zone entries that the uh, for the opposing team, and he's been decent offensively. But I don't think he projects as an offensive guy at the NHL level. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I think he's been pretty good defensively this year.
0: Yeah, I see him mostly. He's extremely tall. Obviously, he's like six six. But I see him primarily as a solid two way guy who can provide in both ends not really someone who is favoring either angle.
3: Okay, and I would, I would probably agree with that.
0: So with these guys, I think the thing that we notice is that the Blackhawks have a lot of really talented defensemen in their system, less so when it comes to forwards. I mean, we've listed so far two forwards in Tier 2 and then one in Tier 3 with a couple more to come, we'll get to those guys later, but we've got already four very talented defensemen who are all on the cusp of the NHL if they're not there already. All of them are left-handed as well. Which we'll see where that goes, because obviously, you know, Good players are good players, and if you can learn to play the right side, you can learn to play the right side, and that's great. We also have Seth Jones on the right side, so that's one spot taken care of. (laughs) Um, But now we're going to move into, actually, a right-shot defenseman. For me, this was the weirdest decision that could possibly be made. Sam Renzel is extremely weird. Because he was so young for his draft year, that he had, well, hadn't even graduated high school yet. Is graduating high school this June is playing in the USHL right now, and is extremely talented. Is not playing. Is he dominating the USHL? No, but his ceiling is so ridiculously high with his skating and offensive threat.
3: How high? It it was my question. Like, how high is his potential?
0: I would say that... I mean, it's extremely unlikely that he reaches a top pair defenseman level. But if we're talking about, like, the best he could be, then we're talking about that level.
3: Damn, okay.
1: And said he doesn't even make the NHL. That's, like, how... That's how raw he is.
3: Right. Like... And Tyler mentioned it in one of his threads on Twitter that about Renzel and how, how often on he is kind of in the USHL
2: back checking from what I've noticed.
0: Yeah. That was the one thing that I saw when I, when I created that, uh, when I created that thread, um, there was issues. And I ended up talking to, um, some people that I know who were kind of who had seen before in previous years, um, it was not necessarily the fact that it was weak backchecking. checking It was more just for the fact that he hasn't really grown into the fact that he's 6'5". So it's almost like he doesn't have the legs underneath him to really power skate properly.
3: That's interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: I wanted to touch on something statistically. Um, since he dominated the um, World Junior A Championship, which is basically, what is that, under 19, I think? Yeah um he put up five points in six games um he's recorded five goals and nine assists in his last 15 games in the ushl including a goal tonight um
0: he did the heartbreaker
1: yeah um yeah so he's up to 25 points in 34 games um and just some other notes a great skater good size he's physical um good in transition but i have him as very 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 raw but his potential is
2: sky high yes
0: And then I want to get to my next guy. Samuel Savoy. Sammy! Oh my god. I, this, when I was talking about a guy who I think will be on Team Canada next year. This guy. This guy. Because I think that, I think he will be given an opportunity. With how he's played this year. He'll be given a chance to make the Blackhawks next year. Do I think he really will? No. Do I think the Blackhawks want to have him in the NHL next year? No, I they want him to go back to the queue for another season. And then if he goes back, then he'll be able to be dominant once again. Um, obviously, the queue's not the best level of competition, if we're being completely honest. But he seems to be one of the players at that level that really does show a high level of compete. And an actual style of offense, and there's an actual style of play that people view as projectable to the next level. He's extremely physical. Um, he's, extremely ag- he's extremely agitating. Uh, they played a game tonight where he had two goals and three assists. I mean, the QMJHL is ridiculous. He's got 49 points in 41 games this year. And that's like a double. That's like double his points per game of last season, which is huge because the thing that was said with him was that like high motor, high intensity, but it doesn't in the production was low. And that was one of the problems. The production isn't low anymore. So I, I really don't know where we're going from here, but what I'm seeing right now is nothing but positives.
1: I didn't I didn't have him in this tier item one below, but he was one of the last cuts that I made. Um, but everything that you said, Tyler, was perfect. Described him perfectly, so. And
0: I think you're crazy, <laughs> but, you know. That he, he
1: Sammy them. just
2: reminds me a lot of Andrew Shaw, but with a better scoring touch. Ooh, Colton
3: Dock, this. okay. I see you, I see you. Okay. Yeah, okay. and this one, was a,
0: this one was a tough one. The problem, obviously the tough one for me, this is the end of tier three for me. I'm going to ask Wally after this how his tier three differs. But the reason why I've called Doc in here is because he has played extremely well at the WHL level. It's just the problem is that he's been injured a lot. I mean, he had the shoulder injury at the little juniors. He had concussion problems earlier in the year. What is it with Doc's and just getting broken?
3: Maybe it runs in the
0: family. It's just injury after injury after injury for both of them. And they both involve prospect camp concussions. Thanks, Minnesota Wild prospect goons for both of them, (laughs) by the
2: way. The Wild prospects are a bunch of goons.
0: Yeah. And injuries in the World Juniors that shouldn't have been injuries... Because they both copped from collisions that should not lead to the types of long-term injuries that those players got.
3: They're just unlucky at this point. Let's just so call it it is. They're just unlucky. So,
0: but he's played well so far in the WHL this year. Seventeen points in fourteen games. He played well last year as well. He got traded to the Seattle Thunderbirds, where the expectation is that once he comes back, he'll be playing on one of the best teams in the WHL. That team's got Kevin Korchinski, Nolan Allen, Brad Lambert. The list goes on. He had a fantastic season last year in the WHL, which was really when people went from saying, I'm not sure about this guy, to, okay, nah, this guy actually is legit, so we're cool with this. All right, and Wally, I want to ask you, What do you have in terms of changes for Tier 3?
1: I also have Colton Dock in uh, Tier 3. The two changes are I have Wyatt Kaiser and Gavin Hayes in my Tier 3 instead of uh, Drew Camesso and Samuel Savoie.
3: Okay,
0: Okay, so with those, I'm actually going to head over to my Tier 4 where I can pull up both of those guys. I know that,
1: Tyler, um, you are a huge fan of both of these guys.
0: I have soured a bit on Wyatt Kaiser as of late. Yeah. Now, Gavin Hayes is having a fantastic season. He really is. Gavin Hayes is having an absolutely fantastic season for the Foot Firebirds. On a not very good team, but he's still producing. And that's still admirable. Regardless, Wyatt Kaiser, um, I think that the thoughts of him becoming a truly great offensive threat are kind of dead.
1: On he's really, probably never going he's to He's really
0: play. turning into more of a defensive defenseman. Yeah. And maybe I do have him too low in tier four. Maybe he is more of a tier three guy. But, I really think that there's a, there's a higher level of certainty in terms of NHL projectability there with, Sam, with guys like Samuel Sabuano. And...
1: Um. And the ceiling's higher with Renzel. Oh, yeah. Well, I have Renzel in in my... um, But, yeah, just uh, with Wyatt Kaiser, high-end skater, uh, great gap control, good in transition. um, But as you mentioned, not much offensive upside, and he's kind of a smaller defenseman. Um, And then Gavin Hayes, he's been great this year in terms of production. um, Great shot, decent passer, decent puck handler. Um, the main question with him is his skating, to be completely honest. But um, I think for a third-round pick, I think it was a pretty good pick, um, and I think he has some options himself. He, um, so.
0: he was the uh, sixth player that we drafted. Samuel Savoie was the seventh player that we drafted. That's crazy. I not mention the fourth yet. Um, but, so we got Gavin Hayes and Wyatt Kaiser. Let's now head into a former first-round pick who probably shouldn't have been, but still is, is still probably going to be fine, I guess. Nolan Allen. He's fine. He's fine. should <laughs> should he, he have been a first-round pick? Absolutely not. Would you would you be cool with him being like a second or third round pick? Probably. Is he the kind of guy who drafts the first? No. Is he gonna be bad? No. Is he gonna be amazing? No. Will he make the NHL? Probably. I don't know what else really is to say. He hits people hard, and I think that there is more of upside than he gets credit for, but I also have issues with just this was at a weird time in the Blackhawks organization in terms of their decision making as well
2: uh, yeah classic Stan Bowman
0: yeah I mean like you know Stan Bowman great GM between October 2020 and uh, and uh, April 2021 and then wham that Seth Jones trade, and then Nolan Allen draft pick, and then... Day! Charlie.
2: I remember when the Hawks drafted him. I was so... De- I, when I filmed my video, I was, like, very disappointed in that video.
0: Yeah, I was very <laughs> disappointed. Um, and we have um, a, a collection of more players in Tier 4. And I actually want to start here with Wally, so... Um, I've got... uh, Let's actually go go here to the next player. So the next player I have in Tier 4 is actually Philip Bruce. Philip Bruce has played very well in the AHL this season. Um, He's really... I think that he's he's very impressive. Um, In terms of the NHL, I think he's not necessarily as ready. Um, It is kind of crazy, though, to think, like, if you look across the list... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Philip Roos is the eighth defenseman that we've named on our prospect pyramid up to this point.
2: Uh, Bruce did in tonight's game in the Ice Hogs. Did uh go to the locker room twice. Uh, and I don't believe he came back the second time he left. So There could be a potential
0: injury there with Bruce now. I think so.
3: Just that? Um, let me check. I mean, do we, do, do, we, do we
0: expect Rockford to
2: report anything? No. I mean,
3: uh, the, ma- there's a slight the chance they
2: even mentioned it a couple of times. Mm-hmm.
0: But got Philip Bruce playing well in the AHL. The next guy, another guy playing well
2: in the AHL. Cole Gutman. I love Gutman.
0: This guy was undrafted. This guy was undrafted. No, he was drafted. Well, Oh, right, he was just not drafted by us. Yeah,
1: he was a college free agent. He left Tampa, basically. Well, he didn't leave Tampa, but they had his rights. Um, then he became a free agent, um, and then he signed with us. Um, I was a little worried at the beginning of the year. I felt like he was going to be more of like a, um, what would you say, quadruple A type of player. Um, uh-huh. But he's he's been really good in the AHL this year, and for him still only being 23, I think... There's still some untapped potential there, um, and the, his play style too. Is, um, I feel like it would project pretty well to the NHL. Uh, there's obviously still concerns with his frame. He's only five nine, um, but he's he's um, tenacious and he's he's a good skater too. So, yeah. And John, what are your thoughts on what you've seen
0: from Cole Blattman so far?
3: Again, we've talked a lot about uh, praises of Gutman. Uh, he scored the shootout winner a couple of nights ago, and then uh, I think he fed the pass to win the game tonight. So he's playing well, he's producing offensively. Mm-hmm. Nothing but praise for Cole Gutman. Yeah, There's a chance
2: he's been we great this season. Gutman in the Blackhawks roster. After the trade deadline, when and that would be fantastic. Oh, if there's go.
0: if there's if there's guys who need to get if there's guys who get moved, I have very little doubt in my mind that Cole gets any injection. All right, then we're gonna move on to the next guy. This guy was a player who was just drafted this year, but has not necessarily performed up to the expectations, especially comparably to some of the other guys in similar situations. Paul Lewinsky. It's a little bit of a weird one because this guy was very similar, similarly projected um, in comparison to a guy like Samuel Savoy. However, it appears that a guy like Savoy has really overtaken him in terms of performance levels and in terms of you know, perception for the future of the franchise because of how well he's played this year. Even a guy like Gavin Hayes, who I have ranked over Ludwinski.
1: All well, Ludwinski's fault. Um, Kingston kind of sold their whole team at the deadline, um, but he hasn't necessarily been great this year. Uh, I still like the tools. He's, I mean, fantastic skater, and um, he works very hard. I, th- I, think the, I think he still projects pretty well, um, but you'd probably like to see more production than what he has, which is uh, 33 points in 42 games and only eight goals. Um, even though he, he has uh, five points in his last three games, which is nice to see, but uh, he's underperformed statistically this year for sure.
0: Yeah, so the next group we have here, we have two rocker guys, Al Pergoula and Michael Tepley. Um, I also want to uh, highlight the other tier four Rockford players, which is Jakob Galvis. So we have three more Rockford players in tier four Michael Tepley, Alec Mugula, and Jakob Galvis. Mm. And I want to ask John, John, what are your thoughts on all three of these guys? And save Glaze for last.
3: Um, alright. Wait, save Glaze for last? Okay, so Regula has been, has been okay this year. Nothing special, but nothing amazing or nothing terrible, in my opinion. Um, he's good. He's good in on defense. He uh he throws the ball on the body a little bit, which sometimes gets him in trouble with the the referees. But we will uh, we will we'll excuse him for that. Um, Tepley has been kind of disappointing this year. I thought he was really good last year. And this year he hasn't been that good. And uh, he was on that line with Reichel and uh, uh, Alti last year. And since Alti left this year for Russia, I think um, he hasn't been playing with Reichel that much. Teply didn't even play tonight. He played last. No, he didn't even play yesterday Player either. Twenty eighth. Ah, so
0: so there's, so there's yeah. something that us.
3: So they're pro. They pro. They probably scratched because he might be a healthy scratch. I wouldn't be surprised. He might be a been healthy scratch. And
2: the ice hogs aren't reporting. Be a I would,
3: I would, I would lean more towards healthy scratch because while he he hasn't played that well this year and uh, it's been kind of disappointing. I expected more mm-hmm. out of Tebow.
0: He's
3: probably one of my. He's probably my biggest yeah. disappointment four this year
0: for the on, uh, games. I almost think it's generous for me to have him in tier four now that I'm looking at it
3: and that's why i was surprised that you had galvis lower than tepley because i think galvis should be higher yeah,
0: than i i i did, i, 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 didn't I, I would argue that in the last like couple weeks so i didn't adjust the order so. i would even yeah now now that i'm looking right. at it yeah i would definitely rank uh, galvis over tepley
3: i would even argue that, that galvis should be above uh, ragula mm-hmm. but that's just me cuz i really like galvis's game uh, he scored tonight Um, again, he, I think he projects more as a, like a two-way guy, not, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have a, the greatest offensive output in the world, but he gets the job done when that's needed. Um, I think he had an assist. Elvis? He had a goal and an assist. Yeah, he had an assist on Bobby Lynch's game-winning goal. So two-point night by Galvis, or Glaze, as we like to call him. Um, but he's been, much like Ragula. He's, he's played okay this year. He's not as big as Ragula, obviously. He's, he's on the shorter end. He's a short oh. king.
1: Oh, wait, he's listed at 185 now. Okay, well, he... Okay. Yeah, he was listed at 160 for the longest time. I was like, how is he playing in the AHL at 160 <laughs> and 5'11"?
3: What'd you say, Tyler?
0: He's trying to become more of a defensive defenseman from recent reports,
1: and that makes sense. It's weird though because he's been their best offensive defenseman in terms of points this year. <laughs> really, yeah. he's not even above. Outside, or, outside, I, outside of Phillips. No, he's been the. Well, oh, okay. I mean, in terms of uh, production. Points per game. Well, points, points per game.
3: game. Well, yeah, sure. So really, he's got more points than Phillips. I didn't know that.
0: He does, but. That's not including points for me. Just, just
1: don't play him with uh, Adam Klendunin, please. Yeah, don't,
3: don't play anyone with Adam Klendunin.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and then lastly on that is Aiden Thompson, who is playing this year at the University of Denver. Bit of an older third-round pick. Was a little bit concerned when me uh, in terms of, like, how good that draft pick really was when we made the selection. It's looking pretty good right now. I know that he was an older player when he was drafted, but this actually looks like a pretty good selection. I mean, this guy was so far is a plus 11 in 20 games and 19 points in 20 games. Like,
1: that's pretty good. Yeah, and he kind of fits like a somewhat similar mold to Paul Ludwinski. Maybe not as fast, but still a really good skater. He's um, tenacious and he has some skill, I mean, as you as he said, he's, he's almost point per game in uh, college this year. Playing in a pretty tough um, conference, too, in the NCHC. So,
0: mm. I'm going to get into the last three players here in this Tier 4. And then after I, ha- I, that I have these in here, we have Ilya Stefanov, Ryder Rolston, And unfortunately, Wilson is out for the rest of the season. And then we have Landon Slaggart. So we have the Notre Dame duel right here. Um, Slaggart's been playing a lot better as of late. But his start to the year was really
1: bad. He's also dealt with injuries, but yeah, you're right. He has not been been great. But...
0: It is trending up for him, 5 points in 8 games. I think the scoring is not there. Obviously, he's got 9 points so far this season. That's over the course of 28 games, which looks really bad. I do think that there is an element of, well, last year he was playing with his brother, and the year before that he was playing with his brother and Alex Steves. So the talent around him isn't as quality as was before, and he's more of a complementary type player. And the other thing is that he is playing on the power play, it's just that he is like exclusively used as a net front presence, so he doesn't actually touch the puck in those moments. But he is impacting the power play. Do I think that he's as good as I used to think that he is? No. No, it's soured a bit on him just because he hasn't produced, like, I would have hoped, considering the consecutive seasons in the NCAA. But I still think there's a player there, and I still think that there, is a, I assume there is a guy who could provide a quality bottom six role. And with Ryder Rolston, um... I'm I'm a fan of his because he looks like he scored a lot so, so far this year in their name, and then Ilya Stefanov has also scored a lot this year just in the KHL. He is a captain for Akbar's Kazan, which is very uh, impressive. I think
1: he's 21. Yeah, he's still 21.
0: Yeah, he is only 21.
3: Um, he's captain at 21.
1: Yeah, he's All split right. between he's captain and alternate right, captain this
3: year. Cool. Yeah. That's that's good still though. He's getting he's getting a Mm better on. And he has
1: twenty eight points in fifty five games. Uh, Kind of playing, I would say more of a second line role, Um, but he's he's been good. He's been good this year.
0: Mm, Yeah. And the last thing I want to ask is, Wally, are there any changes that we haven't already mentioned that you have for your tier? Um.
1: So I have Drew Camesso in uh, tier four. Um, I'm trying to see if anyone else... I think everything else we have in the same tier, I believe.
0: Yeah, you said that Camesso and Kaiser out. No, I I um, have Kaiser. Yeah, uh, Kaiser
1: is in uh, tier 3 for me. Tier 4, I have Camesso and Savoie. Savoie.
0: And then nothing else. Okay, And then we're going to run through tier 5 rather much quicker and Tier 6 much quicker than we did the other ones. So Tier 5, um, I'm gonna just pull up the entire thing, and, uh, Tier 5, pull up the entire thing right here so we can see all of the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 guys, it looks like, you know, 13 guys that are listed here in Tier 5 of the Chicago Blackhawks.
3: Arthur Kayumov should be higher, in my opinion. No. <laughs>
0: no. No. This guy, this guy This guy. has basically the exact same scoring rate as Ilya Safanov, and Ilya Safanov is, like, four years younger. Uh,
2: does the Blackhawks even have his rights anymore to even sign
0: him? I don't think they do after. They, they do still have his rights, but I don't think it's much longer.
1: Kayumov's?
2: It's.
1: They hold been on a to it's indefinite, unless he.
0: Oh, yeah, it's on cat friendly, but EP is sometimes different. But EP still has him technically listed as a Blackhawks prospect, and if EP's saying it, then I'm trusting it. So I think that the Blackhawks still have his rights. Oh,
1: oh one more thing, Tyler. I actually have uh, Ryder Rolston in uh, Tier 5.
0: That. Okay. Um Yeah I understand that. I just think there is some really quality. No, I, I like his skating in the shot. Yeah, he, was, he He outproduced, he outproduced Slaggart this year and it felt weird to have him under That's Slaggart. Considering they're the same age yeah. too. So in tier five, we're gonna run through it quickly. Uh, Dominic James, a bit of an older draft pick that the Hawks made in the sixth round uh, this year, playing at Minnesota Duluth with Wyatt Kaiser. Producing quite well, actually. Not fantastically, but producing quite well. 18 points in 26 games. Um, good shot in some of the time that I was able to watch him play. Mills um, Juntork was playing at in the USHL right now. Uh, playing the USHO with the Dubuque um,
1: up and great.
0: Is it necessarily the most impressive thing at all? He's put up 20 points in 34 games. Not great, but there is still, I think it's still a, a decent player that we're going to see soon at the next level um, and that next level. Is kind of unknown at the moment. We just know that he's in the US He either goes now. back to but Sweden was... or
1: goes to college. I think those are kind of his options.
0: Yeah, there's no commitment yeah. currently listed for him on elite prospects, so we will see where he ends up next year. Um Artokimov, as we already mentioned, much older guy, drafted the same year as Alex to break it, and this is his last year to be old enough this is the last year he's going to be age-eligible for a prospect Pyramid anyways, and I think he's just a KHL little sense guy at this point. I can admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, guys who might also... In terms of guys who might also be off the Pyramid next year, uh, we've got uh, Jake Wise who might be off the Pyramid next year. Um because his rights expire at the end of the season. Uh, Slava Demons' rights expire at the end of the season as well. As do Antti Sarla's. Um, I would be surprised if any of these guys get
1: contracts. I think uh, Scott Powers mentioned in The Athletic the other day that Jake Wise, I think he said he wouldn't be surprised if he got at least an AHL contract. I think I, he
3: could get
1: a I think the other two are West probably gone, and I've been, that kind of hurts. I've been a big fan of uh, Sarla's, so...
2: Forilla mm-hmm. I think is this going to be career European hockey league player. Mm-hmm. Re- being really
3: excited when we drafted Wise and he's kind of turned into nothing. Maybe he I was He had a lot of injuries. Yeah. He
0: had a lot of injuries. Yeah. Lot of injuries. Maybe I was uh... I mean very talented.
3: maybe I was uh what's the word? Foolish for being excited for him, but I remember being excited for him.
0: I think I it. Wasn't it wasn't this guy like a 10-year-old prodigy?
1: Yeah, he was, he was, like, at one point, like, a th- maybe two years before his draft year, projected to go top ten. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. At one point.
3: So maybe I was but, okay and in thinking that he though. was going to be good until he got injured a lot. Yeah. That sucks for him, yeah. though.
0: And Slava Devin has played well for Merrimack this year, but...
3: Not getting signed.
0: But I don't think he's going I don't think we're going to sign him. I just don't. No. I, I really don't. I mean, there's so many defensemen... So many defensemen.
1: He's just not good enough. Sorry, Slobo. No,
0: honestly, honestly, unfortunately no. Um, now some guys who we do have on contracts, um Jim Lipin, Josiah Slavin, both played. Um Slavin has been kind of up and down so far in terms of his performance.
1: Like he has nine games in forty game or nine points in forty games or something
3: like that.
0: Yeah, it's not the plane like,
3: usually
1: nine been, points and forty
0: five games right now in the AHL, which is not what I expected. I think that at this point we kind of jumped the gun a little bit and say, just by saying Josiasen was going to be this fantastic fourth liner.
3: I mean, we—he had a really good season last year, and I—and he's up there with Tepley and my biggest disappointments this year for Rockford. Mm. I don't have his numbers yeah. offhand, but I remember him having a pretty good season last year. And we'll talk about Sullivan, what he did in the shootout this uh, weekend.
0: Yeah. Um, Leipman has gotten off to a really hot start since coming back from his injury. Guys put up 19 points in 18 games for Tri-Cities, for Tri-City Americans so far. Very impressive. Yeah.
1: yeah, three straight games of game-winning goals for him.
0: Oh my, really?
1: Not Not these past three games, but last weekend. That's impressive. Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah. And then in terms of the other guys that we want to mention, let's um, just go kind of to the big guys, okay? At, we have three big, we have three just giants on this list who are basically only on here because of their size over anything. And that is uh, Riku Torella, Tage Harding, and Louis Crague. Crague has played in the AHL this year. And from all accounts, he's been a capable third-pairing AHL defenseman who is very big. Correct.
3: He's a capable Mm third-pairing defenseman that I like on the Mm -hmm. Rockford Icehawks.
0: Now, for me, I think that Tage Harden's career path could be similar to... I think that... I think that what could happen with Tage Harding is something that happened to three names that I'm going to mention of three very different trajectories. Dmitry Osipov, Dustin Bufflin, and, um, what's the the third guy? Uh, Curtis McDermott. (laughs) That's... I think that, I think this guy could play wing. I think that he could play wing. I think that he's, I've seen him sometimes at Providence playing wing on their power play, being kind of more of a power forward type guy in the power play as opposed to a defenseman. I know he's huge. I don't really know where he fits into the franchise. I don't know if anyone knows where he fits into the franchise. It was a weird third round pick.
1: Colton Pareko.
0: No. Just no. 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 No.
1: Basically, <laughs> that's probably what the Blackhawks were hoping for, but I don't yeah. think that's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I think
0: they were hoping for it, but I don't think that will happen. Um, and then Rico Tomola has, was a seventh-round pick who is fine.
1: He's really cooled off as of late.
0: He's really cooled off. He played a little bit for, in the Mestis, which is fine. He was He's good there. there, but his time in the league, uh, in the under-20 yeah. Not the best. No. Not as good as we would have hoped. Or not as good as he was to start the year. So I think that right now it's maybe even a little generous to say tier five for him. But there are some guys in here who might not be in the organization next year. So we'll see with some of those guys, though. Victor Hornborg. Uh, Victor Hornborg is struggling right now was sent down to the uh, J20 National. I don't know what else to say other than that. The guy's playing under-20 hockey, and he's spent like over almost 100 games in the SHL. And then Dominic Bossi's having a fantastic season right now for St. Cloud State after having a couple of struggle seasons for uh, Colorado College as a goalie. And I'm starting to slowly but surely think that there's more to Dominic Bassey than I ever thought before because of that. Um, and then in Tier 6, we have some guys down here. Um, Parker Fu is playing well in the KHL. Liam Gorman is a guy who we traded the sixth round pick for who's playing well for Princeton, but it's Princeton and he's really old. Mike Hardman. I can't really see anything beyond an Let's be
2: honest, I keep forgetting Hardman's even part of the list. How dare you, Nick,
3: and Tyler. Yeah. You are. Um,
2: and
0: we'll move on to the next guy. Cameron Hillis is playing in the ECHL right now. Cooper Zek is playing in the ECHL right now. I had Jackson Swarbrick down here at the time when this list was made. Um, maybe I'd put him in Tier 5 right now. Considering everything, just because of how he's played to start his NHL career. But he still hasn't played great in the AHL over the course of the entire season. So, you know what? We can say Jackson Stopper, tier five. That's fine. Um, Connor Kelly is a serviceable NCAA defenseman who I really can't see being anything more than that. Dylan Wells is an ECHL goalie. And then Michael
1: Krul is playing in the second division of Czech Republic. Um, I, what g- about have, stubborn, I have stubborn. I have stalburn Hardman and uh, Tier
2: Five.
0: Good Hardman job, Wally. Well,
1: I I mean I think I, I think I think Hardman could be a 13th forward. Thank you, Wally.
0: Sure. Here. Sure.
1: I mean he's done it before. I'm just saying. I don't. Th- Ideally, you probably want to good.
0: But-
2: <laughs> he was the worst player. And I'm not one to get into analytics. He was the worst player in the NHL when he was in the NHL, analytically. Awful. Awful. Man, you guys are haters. So, Jesus. so this
0: is the entirety of the Chicago Blackhawks prospect pyramid that we have. You've got guys like Korchinski, Naser, Reichel up top. Those are foundational pieces along with a lot of other great players that we have. And it's worth mentioning, I want to pull this up because considering it's like, hey, you know, there's not like, hey, we have some guys, but there's a lot that aren't gonna be there. at this right here. That is two firsts and two seconds in the next two years. That's also two thirds. Each of the next two years, we have two firsts, two seconds, and two thirds. We have two fifths in 2024. And then we have a 4th, 5th, and a 7th in 2023, and then it's also a 6th and a 7th in 2024. That is... a lot. 9 picks in 2023, right now, before any trades, which we expect some big names get moved out in the trade deadline, as well as 10 picks in 2024, again, before any players are moved out during the trade deadline in terms of guys who could be at the World Juniors next year to watch out for in this list. Frank Mazur for Team USA. Gavin Hayes for Team USA. Sam Renzel for Team USA. And then in terms of guys for Canada, you could see Paul Lewinsky, Samuel Savoie, and or Kevin Korchinski for Team Canada. Nobody else, I think, could make a team elsewhere because we just don't have a ton of international prospects beyond that as well. Wally, do we have any changes? Oh, I'm good. He, I mean he said he said stopper and harden in tier five and that's good. So
1: yeah, those were the only two and games. with that
0: that is going to wrap up this segment on the hockey podcast. We are going to now transition into the Rockford Report. So, John, the Rockford Icehawks
3: played three games this week? Three games this yes. week. And they won all three, which is a weird sight to see after what happened the last seven games.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> Winning is back. And Winning tell us is all back. about it. Tell us all about that very first game of the week.
3: All right, so this is a 3-2 win in the shootout versus the Moose. The Rockford Ice Hogs won a hockey, ice hockey game played in the year 2023. So for the second straight game, the Ice Hogs score the game's first goal second time in the last 11. That is not a pretty sight, but at least we're starting to score the first goal, which mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah. Because that means we're leading.
0: Winning games never a bad problem. Never a bad game.
3: Um, Soderboom played well. Um. Throughout the game, he made some big, big stops in OT, and he didn't let anything pass him in the shootout, as usual, because he's really good at the shootout, and he says he likes it. In an interview that was done yesterday, yeah, yesterday, the post-game press conference, he said uh, he likes doing the shootouts. Um, Gutman with the game's first goal uh Reichel with a nifty little pass in the left circle. Yeah, left circle. Between two mooses. and then uh, Gutman does the rest. He makes a defender miss, he turns him inside out and then he um shoots a laser of a shot past Holm. I don't think there's anything that Holm could have done. I don't think he even saw it because it didn't he didn't react until after the goal was in the net. Or the puck was in the net. Um, sorry, excuse me. Uh, the Hogs would unfortunately surrender the next the next two goals for the Moose. Um, Tor Egerson gets a goal near the goal line on a Moose power play. You would like to see Soderboom save that puck, but at the same time, he was wide open on the goal line. And so that's not good coverage by the defense. Mm. Um, Hanola gets this last goal for the Moose in the, what period was it? In the third, oh no, the second period. Yeah. Um, You would like, this was totally on Soderblom. Uh, he saw the puck the whole way he was in the slot, and there was no one screening him, so you would like Soderbone to save that shot. Tyler's favorite ice hog, Mike Hardman, thinks it's spring training for the MLB season with a baseball bat goal to tie close. the game.
0: What, pitchers and catches are report in like two or three weeks?
3: Okay, well, close enough, Tyler. <laughs> just, just stay with me here. Thank you. <laughs> um. Sorry. So we go, uh, nothing really happens of note in the third. Uh, Philip stops a breakaway attempt in the OT with good hustle. He uh, pokes the puck away. Um, I think it was by, I think the breakaway was, or the moose that was trying to get on the breakaway was a, a Christian Reichel, Lucas's, Lucas Reichel's brother. Cousin. Cousin, my bad. Cousin, yes, my cousin. bad, my bad, my bad. Um, Sotabu made a great save. He, It was a cross-crease pass by the Moose, and Sotabu makes a sprawling glove save to absolutely rob Christian Rigel, who, as I mentioned earlier, was on the breakaway. So, question here. Why is Mike Hardman the first shooter in the shootout attempt? That's
0: the weirdest decision ever.
2: It should not be, a, he should not be in a shootout because he's
0: not
3: one Doesn't of Doesn't he have Stonians? Uh, kind of, yeah. Uh, he tries to go low blocker on home, but, uh, he denies him, obviously, because it's, it's my like taking
0: a shootout shot.
3: <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, Lim, Lim Goss. He, he gets the first, uh, shootout attempt for the, for the Moose, he he makes a forehand backhand uh moves and then uh he whiffs on a shot attempt, so Soda Boom ha- had to do nothing. He just he just stood there. Uh Reichel gets the second or is the second hog to to shoot, and uh, as usual he goes five hole after making a bunch of forehand backhand moves. It's really like reminiscent of like what Kane does. Just, like, slower.
2: Yeah. If he's going five-hole all the time. That's more Jonathan. Tays.
3: Well, like, I mean, with, like, the quick little moves.
0: So, he's got the da- so, so what, what you're saying is that he's got the dangles of Kane and the five-hole of Taze.
3: Sure, we, we can call it that. That's a great Last way thing to describe Pestle
0: it. he got scores of all time, so I'll take it.
3: So, obviously, because cycle scores, as usual, Harkins gets the, is the next shooter for Manitoba, and he's denied. By Arvid, after trying to go low glove, it seems like they were all trying to go glove side on Sotaboom, and he mentioned that in his press or in his post game press conference. And he doesn't know why, but it doesn't matter because he saved them all. Um, and then Gutman has the chance to win the game, and he does. He fakes a shot in the slot, then uh, home bites pretty badly. And then uh, Gutman goes backhand, and he roofs it to end the game.
0: So,
2: if, that makes me think. Every game ended the same way this week. Correct. And her velocity
0: and was all
3: 3-2. Three, 3-2 two. Three, two, three, two,
2: three, two. and then 3-2. And Arvid did not allow a shootout goal in, either, in any of the shootouts.
3: No, he did not. And he's usually pretty good on the shootouts. This was yeah. this goes back to last year. He's. I don't have his.
0: Oh, he's no, he's no Robin Leonard. No, he's no Robin Leonard.
3: Nobody's Robin, Lerner. Robin Lerner. He, Lerner. No, no, Robin Leonard was. Not. Nobody's,
0: no, nobody's Robin Leonard in many
3: aspects. <laughs> um, he, Robin Leonard's a great goalie, but he's, he was never good in the shootout. No. He doesn't like a gamble. <laughs> oh, Tyler. Okay, first Thanks. win since January 13th. That's sure. not good. And then this ends a seven-game losing streak. Um, So this is not going to make everyone happy. The Hogs went 0 for 6 on the power play.
0: Yeah, Yay.
2: the Hogs looked terrible on the power play. I watched the entire game from the beginning. It was rough.
3: It was so bad that the moose had more power play goals on our power play than we did, because they had a shorty.
0: Yay, that sounds like fun.
3: It's not fun. I think the I think the Honolulu was the sh- the short goal.
2: The Ice Hogs are officially twenty seventh on the power play in the AHL. Yikes.
3: Last last time I checked, we were fifteen. That's not good. No, it's uh, the silver lining is the PK was just okay. We were two for three.
0: Mm.
3: That's the lining, kind of. I guess compared to the power play. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um.
3: So for once, the Ice Hogs decide to outchance the opponent in in the scoring areas. I know it's a shocking concept, but we actually decided to do it. It was it wasn't even close based on the shot charts.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, charts. I do have shot charts
1: actually. Like like where like locations or are you talking
3: about locations? Actual shots? Locations. I have locations of every shot in every AHL game. Me thinks you should give those to me. They're found on the official AHL website. Wait, what?
0: Wait. <laughs> Wait. Wait, you're, you're, you're,
1: you're you're
0: you're no, copy. I'm not
3: lying. I have shot charts of every single
1: AHL game. Like, shot charts, like where the location of the shots are. Can I share
3: my screen so I can, like, prove it to you guys? Or They do! Not me? What? They do have shot charts. <laughs> How have, that know this? They have shot charts, and they don't
0: tell you about time on ice.
3: Alright, so now it's Iowa, where we won again 3-2 in the shootout. Mm. Which was... which. This shootout was a lot more fun, in my opinion. Um, so, like I mentioned earlier, second straight shootout for the for Rockford. Um, th- this is actually the first win we've had against Iowa Wild in extra time. We're one for five, which is wait, terrible.
0: Wait. How many times have you played Iowa this year?
2: Eight. Yeah, eight times.
0: I will never understand the <laughs> AHL schedule. I,
3: I think it was eight. Yeah, I think at
0: okay. this time, yeah, I think eight. it was eight. I don't care. I'm Look, we can discuss however the Ice Hogs did. I should say for one second, I will never understand the AHL scheduling patterns. They don't make any sense. At all, and your divisions suck too.
3: At the time of this game, it was seven times. So we've gone to overtime, or we've gone to extra time five times, and this was our or six times, including this one. And this is our first time we won in extras. Not good. And I was at one of those losses. That was not fun.
2: Yeah, I was too. The teddy bear toss.
3: Um, the Hogs give up the first goal of the game. It's just old tradition at this point. Uh, Sweeney, uh, I think that's how you say his name, Tyler's favorite AHL player.
2: It, it was a bad goal against no, on Arvid. Yeah, it was me. a
3: bad goal.
0: Don't pin that, don't pay that, everybody. Um,
3: <laughs> to describe this first goal that was given up by Arvid, um, Sweeney tried to pass it to Patan. Who Tyler didn't even know was playing hockey. And Patan missed the pass, but then it went 5-0 on Arvid.
0: Oh, yikes. It was know really if bad.
3: It was it was really bad. But I don't know if Arvid, like, to give him, like, a teeny tiny bit of the benefit of the doubt, I don't think he was expecting the pass to be completely missed by Patan. But at the same time, he has to save that shot. And it was the first shot on goal. Or shot on goal. Because it wasn't even a shot, it was a pass. Um, Luke Reichel scores the f- or ties the game up on a two-on-one. Um, it was a laser beam. Um, but of a shot. Uh, what's it? McIntyre. Yeah, McIntyre couldn't. I don't. I again, I don't even think McIntyre saw the shot, even though even though there was no screen in front. Uh, nothing too fantastic in the overtime. It was just kind of like meh. back and forth. Yeah, back and forth. Not amazing chances, but there's like f- I think both teams got four shots each. Uh, shootout again. Slaven, as we, I mentioned earlier, tried to do the Forsberg shootout uh, move. He kind of failed, but that's okay. He tried. So and A for effort.
2: Whipped on it.
3: So A for effort in my book. Um, Walker gets denied by Soderbloom. He tried to go high glove again. I don't know why they keep on going, trying to go glove. It doesn't work. So this is a time when Reichel does not score a power play goal. He tried to do the same thing, and he he got shut down. And then uh, Mick, Nick Nick Batan was the next shooter. He wasn't. You didn't have that good of attempt either. He tried to go glove, and he failed. <laughs> Then uh, Gutman, uh, Gutman tries to score or tries to be the hero again. He he uh, misses or he does, It wasn't even that bad of a shootout attempt actually. Uh, McIntyre just makes a good save. It was actually kind of a good. It was a really good attempt actually by Gutman. Uh, Sweeney misses high on his shootout attempt. Uh, I know that's Tyler's favorite
0: player. He's so kind. And then Philip. So
3: respectful to young Blackhawks players. Um, Phelps with a great shootout attempt. He goes. He does. He goes back. He does a backhand move and then roof it. McIntyre tries to do the flying Pope check, which is, was a valiant effort, but he completely missed. And then Rossi, uh, he misses the net wide. It wasn't even a shootout attempt. It was more like here, you can try and. Oh, you didn't even do anything. Never mind.
2: When watching the broadcast, they were they kept calling Rossi Rusi in the two games. I don't <laughs>
0: understand it. Philip Rossi.
3: What'd you say, Wally? What was your comment? That uh Lucas Reichel's better. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's one hundred percent valid. Um
0: hundred totally. percent. Totally.
3: Um, hogs were 0 for two on the power play. Um, it's not that's not terrible, but considering that we're not good on the power play, we like that we just went 0 for six the night before. It kind of gets mag magnified. So you would like to see them do something, but they don't, unfortunately. The silver lining is the PK was three for three. And
0: then this last game against Iowa next night. Sturman started again, though.
3: Yeah. Yes, he did. We which was a night. good, uh, good, uh, good move, on my, in start. my opinion. So, this was mi- Military Appreciation Night, and we gave out these wonderful blankets.
0: That's cool. I don't, I don't
3: even know if you can see it. Yes, 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 we can see it. We just
0: can only see the
3: top of it. It has the ice hog logo. That's cool. That
0: is very cool.
3: So we gave those out tonight to everyone, or to everyone who showed up. I think it was like the first 1,000 fans or something like that. Uh, Samuel. We talked about Samuel earlier, the 6-year-old cancer survivor. He showed up today. He got to be on the bench for warm-ups. Um, Samuel's a great kid, as I mentioned before. So it was good to see him again. Um, Reichel. So let's talk about Reichel and where he is in the lineup. And I know we all love where he's in the lineup. He's starting at center again.
2: Frickin' Davidson. Mm. Well, I, it's, it's not even Darryl, his call, though.
3: It's, it's, it's Sorensen's call, though.
2: It's Kyle Davidson because the Blackhawks own the Ice Hogs, and they could. tell He's not, he's not they... controlling the coach. Yeah, he's,
3: I, I disagree.
1: He I, I agree with Kyle. I has control of with where Dallas, he wants his
2: players to be developed.
1: Ask and like say that's where he wants, but it's ultimately up to the coach when it comes to game. I comment. agree. Yeah,
2: he's
0: not telling Luke Warsh to do, he's not
3: telling Luke what to do, he's sure as shit not telling uh, Anderson what to do. I agree. So blame Anderson, I will not blame Kyle Davidson personally, but that's just me.
2: I am because he, it, Reichel's not a centerman.
3: Um, Soderbloom, another good game. This is good to see because he's feeling confident. I.e., he's given up only two goals in his last three games. So that's good. Um, the refs were terrible. I do not like, the refs were awful. This game should not have gone to overtime. This game should have been won in regulation. And let's talk about that goal. Let's talk about that goal that was not should not have been allowed. So Beckman enters the zone clearly offsides,
0: That's and then on. like,
3: and then like twenty seconds later they score on a cross crease goal. It was
0: offside.
3: They reviewed, it was offside. huh? It was clearly offside. Um, they reviewed the goal, and they still determined it was onside. Now. Fine if you don't call it in real time, but if you look at the video and you don't even call it, then I don't know. The fans were not happy though because we were it, it was basically sell tonight, and they were they erupted they were not it was probably the loudest cheer I've ever heard in the bmo cheer. oh well, you know what I meant <laughs> like a, it was the Isn't loudest there, roar there loud I've ever um. Swaney scores again for the. He got the first goal of the game. The Beckman goal was, or the the Rossi, oh no, walk the Walker goal was a the second goal of the game. But Swaney scored the first goal. We won't talk about Swaney anymore. We've talked about him too much. Um, Glaives gets the first goal for the Ice Hogs. Uh, Wally's favorite defenseman it was short yes. yeah think
1: Philip bruce also got an assist on that as well by yes. <laughs> other favorite defensive um, prospect yes. and, um, <laughs> and and, and philp got the primary assist was a
0: great
3: him. yeah he did it was yeah it was a really good pass by philp um uh Cini gets uh, ties the game up with a power play goal um he, it was another uh he tipped it in like he did the for the goal, like the goal in, uh, I think it was Manitoba. I think it was that game. Um, It was a shot by Clendenning. So we scored a Pogba goal finally, yay. boo. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was Red City. You should be rooting for his, well, you should be rooting okay, for but his John success. said he shot it, so
1: I thought he scored it, but. It was Red City gets the goal. Okay, okay.
3: That's fine, then we're good, we're good. And David gets a point. Um yeah, he didn't get a point on that uh on that uh goal. Yes. Um the Hogs are headed to extras again for the third straight game. Uh both goals were great in the overtime. I overtime was fun uh, tonight. So, the Hogs had a chance in the O-zone. It gets saved by McIntyre. The the wild streak down the ice, and then they get a chance, and Soderboom abs- absolutely robs Rossi. He made a sprawling save, like the one in against Manitoba. I thought it went in, but it- but clearly it did not, because a few moments later, Bobby Lynch in the slot buries a one buries the game-winning goal on a one-timer, um, from a feed from Gutman. And you'll have to see it, because you do not expect Bobby Lynch to score a big goal, which
0: was end a big goal. Of a very productive three-game winning streak to end the IceHogs' first half of the season for the All-Star break. I believe we are all in consensus that the player leading uh, the IceHogs is Arvin Soderblom. Welcome yes. back, buddy. Um,
3: a couple quick. A couple quick notes about our other notes about this game. Uh, 1 for 6 on the power play, 3 for 4 on the PK with a shorthanded goal. Um, the Hogs jump to 4th on the, in the central standings, one point behind the Wild. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Hogs extend their winning streak to 3 games. Going into the All-Star break, we're sending Riegel, Sini, nice. and Gust.
0: Alright, and with that, we're going to head into a very rapid fire. Weekly Blackhawks predictions. So this week, the Chicago Blackhawks have three games, and these three games are going to be against the Anaheim Ducks at home, the Arizona Coyotes at home, and then the Winnipeg Jets late Saturday night on the road. Looks like it'll be a Hockey Night in Canada game because we're playing against a Canadian team on Saturday night, so that's how that works. Um. Uh, Nick, I'm going to start with you. Uh, we got Anaheim, Arizona, Winnipeg. What do you think for all three of those games? Tuesday, Friday, Saturday.
2: Well, I'm going to... I will be at the game on Tuesday versus the Ducks, and, uh... I expect this game to be very close because the Ducks are starting to play better hockey as of late, and the Hawks have been playing good hockey lately. And they're both coming off the long all-star break. It could go to overtime. So both teams in a tank-off get no points, but the Hawks end up with the two. Yeah. So the Hawks end up with the two points in that game where they win it maybe 3-2. The Arizona game, another tank-off between the Blackhawks and Coyotes. Um... It's probably going to be one of those weird games where you see either high scoring or zero scoring at all for tanking between two teams. And give it to the Coyotes in this game where they win it uh, 4-2. And then the Jets will just end this season series off by beating the Blackhawks uh, by a score right. of five to two. Yeah, uh, is that
0: a total of three points? Two points. No nope. over. I thought you had. I thought you had years in the game going to overtime.
1: Actually. Okay, right, four to two. Nope. Um, <laughs> Wally. um. Okay. Um. I'm gonna say three to one win over the docks. Um. Let's go four to three. Overtime loss against the Coyotes, and then five to two loss against the Jets. All right.
0: John.
3: So I'm gonna go three two loss to the Ducks. I'll go three two loss in overtime against the Coyotes, and I'll go a four two loss to the charts. Right.
0: Um, and then for me. I kind of have this feeling this could be a week of all losses. I, I, I don't know what it is. I, I have this feeling that this is like... The All-Star game came at the wrong time for the, for the Blackhawks. The right time if you are a sadist and a tank artist. Um, I think that we get zero points out of this week. Uh, I think that against Anaheim, it'll be like... Three to one. Uh, actually, no. John Gibson's not good enough. I'll say five to four. Um, Arizona. Uh, this is where I think it'll be three to one. Um, and then against Winnipeg, we're on the second half of a back-to-back. I think this game could be like a six-one.
2: Yeah.
0: And with that. That is gonna be it for this episode of the Hockey Podcast. Tune in next week where we are going to recap everything involving that last week of Blackhawk's action, as well as everything involving the ice hogs and the AHL All-Star game that's coming up this weekend. And how much better it likely will be than the NHL All-Star Weekend actually was. Because the AHL knows how to market things. To their lower, um, to, to their smaller
2: demographic, but still more
0: hardcore
2: fan base, oddly enough. So, thank you as always for joining me. Wally.
0: I'm tired. I am too. Nick. I'm about to be passed out. <laughs> <laughs> and John.
2: I
3: am tired times three, and Ice socks are good again. Yay.
0: My name is Tyler. This has the Hockey Podcast, and we will see y'all next time. Take care. We this podcast is cool. Rock by Kevin McCloud. The license under by Attribution 4.0 license. Find out more at slash licenses slash 4